0: Thank you for downloading this podcast from Victory Outreach Manchester. We pray that this message will bless your life as you listen. In Jesus' name, Amen. Just before you're seated, I want to read um, two verses of scripture from the book of Philippians, the letter to the Philippian church. In Chapter 4 and... Uh, Title this message, it was unsatisfied, but the un's been crossed out. Alright, they managed it, hallelujah. Because you can live in either reality. Your reality can be one or the other. You can be unsatisfied or you can be satisfied in your life. The apostle Paul was writing to a church in Greece, in Philippi. And in verse 11, he says, For I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. We could stop there. If we could just get this, amen? Life would be so much easier. If you could be content with the level of your heating, with the contents of your fridge, with the car that you drive or not, with your health and your body image, the clothes that you wear, the friends that you have, the life that you live, right? Then we wouldn't even need to talk about this stuff. But there's a plot. There's a plan to stop you from being satisfied with your life. But he says, I've learned, he didn't catch it straight away, I've learned, you've got to learn this stuff, that means you have to have a posture of, I don't know everything, right? He said, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have, I know how to live on almost nothing, or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation. Not surviving. Not just getting by. Not just wishing that tomorrow is going to be different. Not just, you know, just just making it through. I have learned the secret of living in every situation. Whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. There's a secret that God wants us to learn about how to live in a way that is going to be fulfilling and satisfying. But you've got to have the posture that maybe you haven't got all the answers right now. Maybe you've tried this and tried that and been here and been there and done this and done that and you're still coming up short. So there's a secret to this that we need to learn. And then verse 13, he says, for I can do everything through Christ, who gives me strength. Praise the Lord. Before you're seated, I want to ask you one question. How content are you with your life? Now you can sit down with that hanging on your... Praise the Lord. You know, atmospheres and environments are very important. We live in them, right? We have to have the right atmosphere to be able to live. And God creates the right atmospheres for us to live. That's how he works things out. If you read through Genesis, from the book, the book of Genesis at the beginning of the Bible, you, you realize that God first creates an environment before he fills it with anything meaningful. He creates the perfect environment for the birds of the air. He creates the perfect environment for the fish of the sea, for the animals on the land. He creates the perfect environment for the heavenly bodies. He creates the perfect environment and then he begins to fill it. Environments are very important. And we live in an environment in the world around us that is not conducive to having a a real good quality relationship with God. Have Have you understood that yet? It is, you know, pre pre antichrist, anti God. It's, it's, you know, it's 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 not conducive. It's it's not easy to worship God and to live in a way that that really fulfills you in that. It's created to dissatisfy people. Dissatisfaction in life is near the root of all kinds of what the Bible calls sin. Why do people cheat on their spouse? Why do they abuse drugs? Why do they drink and abuse alcohol? Why do they mindlessly binge watch ridiculous amounts of television? Some of you are like, I'm not a junkie. No, but you watch Love Island religiously. Poke yourself in the eye if that's you, hallelujah. I'm just messing, disclaimer, I didn't, don't want you to actually do that. Why do we scroll endlessly on Facebook and Twitter or Instagram, why are you there at night when you you can't sleep and you're just flicking through social media, just watching someone else's fake life, wishing it was yours. So you could not only not live your real life, you you want to live their fake life. Because you think that living their fake life is going to satisfy you because you're not even living your real life. Because we're dissatisfied with stuff. Why do people commit suicide? Because they're dissatisfied with the life they live in. And what a terrible thing, what a horrible thing, what a place to be where people want to commit suicide. Where, you know, they're they're, they're enforcing a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Horrible. But people do it. We hear about it all the time. And all these things are more happen because people haven't found the true place of contentment. At the root of our dissatisfaction is this never-ending thirst that nothing in this world can satisfy. And we've been suckered, right, into thinking that a better job, more money, cooler friends, another spouse, a new life somewhere else in a bigger house with a nicer car and better clothes and whiter teeth. Right? Fake hair. Longer nails. Fatter lips. All of these things are going to make things better. And we get suckered into it. And the advertisers make millions by suckering us into it. And we think that they're our friends, but they're not. They're just making money. And morality is out of the picture. We read the newspapers. I don't know if anyone ever reads a newspaper anymore. Or you read the news or watch the news and we think they're telling us all the truth. And aren't they just telling us their agenda? And all of these things sucker us into thinking that if we get something different than we've got, then we're going to be more happy than we are. And if we can't get any of these things or when they leave us unsatisfied we resort to drugs and mind-numbing stuff, getting drunk, overeating, overexercising, two extremes of the same thing. Some people overexercise, some people over, over, over lazy eyes. <laughs> Sexual immorality, let's have more experiences, right? More, 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 maybe I'll be satisfied. It's like drinking seawater when you're thirsty. You're never going to be satisfied. It's going to make you more thirsty. Because you're drinking from the wrong source. There are four things that can rob you of the beautiful sense of fullness that comes from being truly content. Are you ready for this? I'm kind of condensing all this message down. Four things. Number one. The first thing, selfishness. You know, we think that being content means that we have all our needs met. When in actual fact, being content actually comes from meeting someone else's needs. I'm content in my marriage. We just celebrated 20 years of marriage, myself and Vicky. Listen, we're two ex-drug addicts that got together. She'd only just been saved two years. She was still mad when I married her. I was seven years saved. I was a little bit more seasoned and less mad. But everyone thought we were mad to get married. How is it? Oh, this ain't gonna work. I wonder how long this is gonna last. I can imagine them at our wedding going, Whoa. "You know how they do, right? You do it at weddings." Well, I wonder how this long. Wonder how long this is gonna last. Oh, look at her. Oh, you know his background. Ooh. And then especially when we decided to follow the path of God and follow the calling of God and leave London and leave our families and leave everything we had to come to this northern backwater called Manchester that has now become an oasis of blessing. <laughs> We were like Manchester, whatever. No one ever thought we was gonna make it. But you know why we've made it? Ask me why. Now ask me why. Is this on? It's not because I get my needs met. It's because I meet her needs. And it's not because Vicky gets her needs met by me. She meets my needs. And we do that together. And when we do that together, our needs both get met. Well, you know, happy wife, happy life. Hallelujah. When I make sure that I'm putting Vicky first, I'm getting the benefit of that. Whereas if I just sit there expecting her to just wait on me all the time, eventually that's going to fall short. There's going to be an emptiness, a dissatisfaction that comes. So it's not about getting your own needs met. Selfishness is is a crazy thing. You think that you have to get all your needs met, all your likes, all your wants, everything that you want done first, and then everything's going to be blessed after that, but that's not how it happens, and we rarely ever think that we're selfish, do we, right? It's always someone else's fault why this happened. This goes back to the Garden of Eden, to the very first created beings where they messed up and and, and one blamed one and one blamed another and this one blamed that one and no one took ownership of the problem. Selfishness is when everything else comes after you. It's something that puts us at odds with God and his purpose for us. So it will always get in the way of any sense of contentment. It's like putting a lid on the well and then going to the seashore and drinking seawater. Because that's what you think is right. And the problem is, when you think it's right subjectively, anything goes. Without an objectivity, everything's subjective. Right? I think seawater is going to quench my thirst, even though everyone knows it won't but you think it will because you're just being selfish. And this usually leads on to something else. Number two, selfishness leads on to something else. This is the next blockage because there's always more that we want, right? You never got enough shoes. You never got enough dresses. You never got enough trainers. You've never got enough stuff. You've never got enough of this. The truth is that we'll never find relief if we try and seek it through possessions. Because they end up possessing us. You're possessed by the dress. They should have a, they should have a series. Not yes, say yes to the dress. Possessed by the dress. <laughs> Some are, I need this dress. and They get it on. Like, <laughs> possessed by the dress. But you hear what I'm saying? We were designed for more than the trivial pursuit of material stuff. Some atheists, not all, some you know people that are in in, in the science and the science method, and some people that di- disavow God and don't like God, they believe that everything we live in is just a materialistic universe. We believe in a, a materialistic universe, and therefore we're just meat suits. Are you with me? We're just meat. That's it. All it all that it is, that's all it's ever going to be. And they believe that because it's subjective and because it's materialistic and because you can touch it and taste it and anything that you can't is not real. But we know that that's not true. Fundamentally, we know that that's not true. We know that we're we're not just this, right? But people will try and tell you that. They educate our kids in that. They try and tell us that. But we're more than that. There's much more going on than just the things you can see, hear, touch, taste or feel. Because check it out. Our senses are insatiable. They never get enough. You can never have enough food. You always want more. You can never see enough. Just ask anyone who struggles with pornography. They never see enough. They've got to see something else, right? Right? You never feel enough. You never hear enough. You never taste enough. It's insatiable. It's never enough to to be contented with. Because seeking satisfaction in the things of this world is like chasing the wind. You can never catch it. You can feel it, but you can't catch it. And you'll always end up feeling dissatisfied and disappointed. And then you're wasting valuable time chasing nothing when you could have been pursuing true joy and true contentment and true peace and true fulfillment. So instead of seeking after something else, let's start to look and remember at what the Bible says about seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Because then stuff comes to you, instead of you chasing after it, it just comes to you. It's like trying to chase the breeze when you're hot. Or you're just standing there and there's a fan blowing on you. That's the difference. The third thing that gets in the way of contentment is somewhere syndrome. Somewhere syndrome. Sometimes there's a temptation to just change your location. Are you with me? People work all year to have two weeks in a hot place in this country, right? We wanna go to a hot place where there's no rain and where our, our, for those of us that are white, our putrid white skin can take on a darker hue and for others that like the heat can go to a place that's hotter than this cold, damp place that we live in and they work all year and save up to go to two weeks to be surrounded by loads of other people, oily, fat looking people Because we think that somehow that's going to be better. And don't get me wrong, going on vacation, you need it. You need sometimes to have a change of location. But I'm talking about the syndrome of it. That where you're at is never enough. Because the thing is this, you've, you've heard me say it many times, you can either change your attitude or you can change your address. But let me add this. Where you are won't necessarily change who you are. So if you're dissatisfied in the rain, when you get into the sun, you might still be dissatisfied in the sun. If you're not happy with who you are and where you are in life when you're in the rain in Manchester, what makes you think that things are going to shift when you know that you've only got two weeks in the sun? Changing surroundings can seem good at first. But if there's no real action taken to deal with the root of what's been going on inside you, then the change is temporary because the fruit is always going to be there hanging around somewhere. So wherever you go, it's going to be the same. We see it all the time. I'm changing my job. I don't like the boss. I'm changing this. I'm changing football clubs. I'm changing my church. I'm going somewhere else. It's got to be better over there. And you get over there and it's never better. It's all right for a little bit. But then you turn back up. Your attitudes come back up. The pastor's terrible there as well. The preaching's too loud. It's too hot. It's too cold. It's too this. It's too that. It's too far. It's too too close. The problem ain't the surroundings. The problem's the inside. It's not what's going on outside. It's what's going on inside. And the thing is this. We can't change what's going on inside without someone that can get inside. We used to say this about addiction. There's no chemical cure for a spiritual problem. There's no point giving drugs to someone that has a soul issue. The fourth one comes on, and I'm cutting down this a lot because I don't want you to feel like you're being beaten up because it actually gets really good, this message. (laughs) But I'm just showing you there's some stuff that we need to get a grip of. You're wondering why you're empty. You're wondering why things don't happen the way you want them to happen. These are some of the reasons. Number four, someone's sickness. (laughs) Amen. Somewhere's a syndrome, someone's a sickness. This is probably the most tragic of all. And it's where people put all their hopes on the shoulders of someone else. To see them change. You know when you're broken inside and you just hate yourself and then you put your focus on someone else who's going to come in and save the day, right? Maybe if you're a man, it's another woman, it's a woman who's going to come in and save the day. And you're lonely and you're broken and you're young and you're, you're, you're empty and... You know, you think, right, if only I can get a girlfriend, if only I can get married, then that woman is going to come and she's going to change my life and she's going to help me out. And you look around and you don't really look at the inside of the person. You look at the outside of the person. Hey. Right? Man, I'm talking to you right now. Let me talk to the men. Women, just go, "Mm mm-mm, yeah, amen, amen this. Sometimes men rubberneck the woman, right? You know what that means? When you see a fine woman walking towards you, you're there in the Trafford Centre, you're walking down the Arndale, right? You've just been to the gym, you've got two rolls of carpet under your arms. You're trying to make a good impression, you're trying to look good, you're sucking it in as you're walking down the street. You've got your best skinny jeans on, even if they don't work and you still look fat. There you are and you're trying to just deal with this horrible stuff inside you and you're looking around for for that person to come and you end up looking at the wrong person because they look fine on the outside but you don't know the inside. It's the wicked witch of the West. And you end up with mistake instead of misright. You end up with mischievous instead of misright. Or you can end up with just misright now. And then you realize that she's broken as well when two broken things don't make an unbroken thing. Amen? Two, two wrongs don't make a right. And then what about the women? Broken women. Broken, empty women. Broken, empty women that feel exposed and need protection and, and all of that stuff. And they look at Mr... Carpet carrier in his skinny jeans and his designer clothes that he's bought on Klarna. Klarna, by the way, is a buy now, pay later thing. Right? And you look at him and he looks like a man. And, and, and let's, even, let's even take this out of the world situation and put this into the church. Because I've seen it tragically happen in the church, all this stuff. And you see him walking in with his big Bible. He's got two Bibles under his arms, not two carpets. Two giant scrolls of scripture. And he walks in and he's covered in armor. He's like, he is the knight in shining armor. He's looking good. But if you get too close to that armor, it do not make the right sound. Because armor's made to go ping, but it just goes... Because it's not made of metal, it's made of plastic. Because the real stuff costs too much and he didn't want to pay the price. And then what you've got is you've got a load of external stuff going on where two people are trying externally to deal with something that's happening internally and you're putting all your eggs in the basket that that person's going to fix you. And when it don't happen... Then things go wrong, people split up, people get divorced, people are angry. Are you with me? Because the problem is not outside. The problem of your contentment doesn't come from external circumstances. The the, the, the thing about contentment is it comes from within. Could even be a friend. Humans are fallible. At some point, you'll be let down by one. And all these things by themselves will never fully satisfy you because they're not meant to. All this stuff, yourself, somewhere, something, someone, all these things are not meant to satisfy you. You weren't built by that. You weren't built like that. We were created by God to be fully satisfied by him. I heard it said, if you're angry, it's possibly because of something that happened in the past that you're still letting grow right now. Amen? Because anger is a secondary emotion. It comes from a primary source. Frustration, hurt, pain, loss, whatever it was in the past that you're allowing to grow. But here's the thing. If you're angry, think of this. Think of this. Stop watering dead flowers. You've got dead flowers in a pot. I buy my wife flowers almost every week. When I come back from doing the shopping, I do the grocery shopping. It's become a thing now. Or I do the grocery shopping because I know what it is that we need, and we don't need five new candles. <laughs> five new candles, a nice pot, you know what I mean? Some nice scent, some washing suds. Where's, what are eating tonight? Well, I don't know, but the house is going to smell nice. When she got sick with her cancer and she couldn't walk for a year, then I started to do that and it just, she just let me do it, amen. But I buy her flowers, I bring her own flowers. Because I'm investing in her. But once they're dead, you know, and the leaves are falling off, she's not watering them. Why do you water things from the past that have no place in your present? And it just makes you angry about something that someone said a year ago, five months ago, three months ago, two years ago, whatever. Let it go! Sometimes, listen, instead of watering it, freeze it! (laughs) Freeze it! Let it go, you know the one. If you're angry, stop watering dead plants. And if you're anxious, it's probably because of something in the future that you feel you have no control over. But we ain't got control over the future. Future is a fantasy, it's not happened yet. Are you with me? Someone once said you can have control or you can have growth, but you can't have both. Sometimes you need to let go and let God. You need to let your hands off of that stuff and stop being anxious about something that only God can control and trust Him that He has your future in His hands. He ain't going to let you down. He's not going to get you turfed out of your house. You're not going to starve to death this winter. You're not going to freeze to death this winter because God is for you. Just surrender your future into God's hands. You can be satisfied with life and have peace and contentment when you're living in the present. Just this last week, we were in Venice. We went there. We'd never been there before as a couple. I went there before years ago as a school kid. Can't remember much about it. We got there. We were on an adventure. We didn't know what was happening. We love that. We go to different places. We travel a lot. We get there. What are we going to do? How are we going to do it? Where do we get to our place? The first day, we kind of found out our surroundings. We got to know where we were at. And then the second day, we went out and we were just exploring. And you know what? I can say this. I had a perfect day. I had a perfect day. From the moment I woke up to the moment I went to bed, it was all good. Everything was good. I said to Vicky, I've had a good day. She said, do you not always have good days? I'm like, no. Listen, I'm a pastor, I'm a man, you know what I mean? I look in the mirror, no, I don't always have a good day. But today was a perfect day. Everything was good. I felt good, I looked good, the mirror was my friend. My clothes were the ones that I wanted to wear. We went out, we did everything we wanted to do, we saw the things we wanted to see, we ate delicious food. You know, sometimes you eat food and you're like disappointed with the food. My food was delicious. It was delicious, I'm still chewing it now inside my spirit. The weather was great, the sounds were great, the smells was great, I was with the woman of my dreams. I had a perfect day, you know why? I've been thinking about it. Because I wasn't worried about anything in the future, I didn't let anything in the past bug me, I was living right in the moment. I was living in the moment. God was with me, God was with me, I was thanking God, and I was thanking God all day, Lord, I thank you, what a beautiful day, but we don't always live in the present, you know there's a Latin phrase, you've probably heard it, carpe diem, you ever heard that, carpe diem, carpe diem, con minimum credula postera, is the actual Latin phrase, it's from uh, Horace, <laughs> who was a Roman by the way, not a northerner with a flat cap, <laughs> he was a Roman poet called Horace. It came from his 11th ode, if you ever want to look it up. And most people think that it means t- seize the day. You hear it, carpe diem, seize the day. And it's violent. Like, I'm going to seize the day. I'm going to grab the day by the throat and I'm going to make it mine. Right? I'm going to grab this opportunity. And sometimes, you know, you need to do things. There needs to be an urgency. But, but it actually, when you actually look at it and you study it, it actually means more like this. Take up, pick up, or pluck the day. That's not like seizing it by the throat. That's like a little bit more gentle, a little bit more considerate. And I read this. The image of this is of a farmer carefully plucking a piece of ripe fruit from a bent bough. Would a farmer seize his long-tended fruit, snatching it up with a hurried gesture? No. Surely he would first measure its weight with his hand and judge its color with his eye. He would then likely pick from the branch this member of his harvest. Sometimes you've got to be a little bit more careful with what it is that you want to seize And you've got to look at it and say, how does this affect me? How does this deal with my life? Is this right for me right now? Because I don't know about you, but I seized a few days when I used to get out of my nut. And I used to go out on a mad one. And I'd be in a club getting drunk. And I'd be with Miss Miss, Miss Right Now. And I'd be doing all those mad things before I got saved. I'd be seizing those opportunities without consideration of what it is that they were doing. And sometimes you just need to just take a breath, man, and just be, and just look around and go, you know what? It is good to be where I'm at right now. I have breath in my lungs. The sky is above my head. It hasn't fallen on my head. I'm living right now. I'm not in prison right now. I'm not in a war zone right now. I'm not hungry necessarily right now. I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm okay. It's good. Life is good. I'm all right. I'm saved right now. Oh, wow. And sometimes you've just got to take a moment and just be in the moment and let God just refresh you and restore you. Because we're told by society to seize opportunities, rush forward into more experiences. Really? Sometimes you miss your moment because you think that the next one's got to be better. But maybe that's the one that God wants you to have right now. I believe God wants us to look at what's right not just what's first or what's next. What is right for you right now? I believe it's right for you to be in the presence of God, taking time to enjoy the moments that God wants to share with us from Himself. And when you can do that and you can receive that and you can just be, that's contentment. Let me ask you a question right now. How many of you are feeling anxious? How many of you are feeling angry? In the presence of God, sometimes those things just become what they they are. They're they're not the reality. Paul the Apostle, I'm coming into a close quick, Paul the Apostle understood that contentment could become a constant reality. Even when he was in prison or healing from a beating, he was satisfied with his place in life. He was content in asking for a cloak for the cold or some scrolls to read the scriptures. He wasn't asking for loads of things. Read his letters. There were also times when he was being hosted by rich people or in a palace somewhere and it didn't turn his head. He was content in who he was in the presence of God. Because after all, there's no king higher than Jesus, and no palace more wonderful than the presence of God. I've been in some beautiful places, have you? I've been in some idyllic places. We've been in Paradise Island in the Maldives. We've been in, you know, six story gaffes in Dubai. We've we've been in great places. Different nations, it's great, it's lovely. But I don't know about you, when I'm in the presence of God and I'm praying and I'm worshipping, there's no place like it. The peace that comes from being right with God can't be beaten by anything else. And these moments of revelation and wonder when God speaks or acts in your life should be unforgettable. They should be moments that you mark down. They should be the things that you balance everything else against and weigh everything up against. It's those moments when you're in the presence of God and God says, I love you. You're mine. You belong to me. I'm yours. I'm with you. Because at the end of it all, knowing Jesus should be enough. Sadly, it's not. Sadly, we see people in churches where the presence of Jesus is not enough. They need more social, a bigger social circle. They need more friends. They they need more of this. Better quality music, better lighting, comfier seating, easier access. And all of those things matter a little bit. But the presence of God within your life, that's what changes you. The key is knowing what and who to focus on when. When you're feeling down and you're messed up, what do you focus on? Your problem? When Job lost everything, he worshipped God. When David was misunderstood and hated and hunted, he worshipped God. When Paul was tortured and abused and whipped and beaten, he worshipped God. God. When pastor in a church in a modern society becomes super tough, Vicky and me worship God. When we had miscarriages, we worship God. When she got cancer, we worship God. And I'm not just talking about we stood there going, Hallelujah! Oh. Sometimes singing a song is worship, but sometimes worship is more of an attitude of place. It's looking at God and saying, you're bigger than this. Whatever situation you're in, God, you're bigger than this. That's worshipping God. It's giving him place. Worship is giving him place. What's his worth? What's his value? It's more than my feelings. It's more than where I'm at. It's more than what I've got I don't have. You are more than this. You are bigger than this. That's worship. And you can do that in a moment. You can do that in an instant. not just singing a song it's understanding that God is bigger than all this and his plans and purpose for us are wonderful beyond our imagination it's knowing that he loves us and he never leaves us and he will make sure that we have what we need until our time comes to an end so until your time comes to an end trust that God has got you he's going to hold you he's going to keep you he's going to put you in positions that are going to teach you to love Him and others. He's going to get you in a place where you're going to start to even love yourself. And he'll use suffering. He will use it because he wastes nothing. Sometimes what you're feeling is the hammer and the chisel chipping away all the things in your life that don't look like Jesus. Sometimes you have to go through some hardship so that you can thank him for the good ship. And then you'll learn how to worship in the midst of hardship. And if you can worship in the midst of hardship, how much better is it going to be in good ship? And I just made that word up. That's the place of contentment. I want to close with this. The contentment of a man facing death. Check this out. What I'm about to quote you is from the text of a note that was found in the desk of a pastor a hundred years ago who was martyred, killed for his faith in Africa and Zimbabwe. After he died, they found this note in his desk. And even though he lived simply and he ended up dying because he was a Christian, his total dependence and satisfaction in his saviour, Jesus Christ, pours forth from his words. Check out what he wrote. I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I've stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of His. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My presence makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tamed visions, worldly talking, cheap giving, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudity, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith, lean on his presence, walk by patience, am uplifted by prayer and labour by power. My pace is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven. My road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions few, my guide is reliable and my mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of the adversary, negotiate at the table of the enemy, pander at the pool of popularity or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up until I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, preached up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, preach till all know, and work till he stops me. And when he comes for his own, he'll have no problem recognising me. My banner will be clear. He knew what it meant to be content. Even in the face of... Till that day, till the day that the Lord either sounds the trumpet and shouts for us all, if we're still alive and remain on that day when the Lord comes in the clouds and we meet with the Lord in the air, or if we die first and we go and be with him, until that day, let's not waste time by being selfish. Or by chasing something else or by thinking that somewhere else is always going to be better or that someone else is going to change things because it's only him it's only him he's got to be enough and unless and until Jesus can be enough for you you're never going to be content but if he's enough oh Nothing can stop you from being everything that he created you to be. Until that day, let's live the best we can in the presence of God and do our best to know Christ, even in the presence of his sufferings, but also in the power of his resurrection. May Jesus be enough for us. And may we find true contentment in being disciples of the kingdom you stand with me if that resonates with you in any way if you've suffered with any of these things and you say today God I want to be different I want to I want to have that peace and contentment in my life then you've got to go before him and you've got to say God here I am just close your eyes man try it close your eyes zone out everything around you and focus on him Say, Jesus, here I am. I want you to fill me right now. Tell him, I want you to fill me right now. I want you to get a hold of my life right now. I want you to touch me right now. Wherever you've been, whatever you haven't done or wherever you have done, right now in this moment, things can change. Right now in this moment, you can be made new. Right now in this moment, you can be born again. If you're not born again, you can be touched by the presence of God in a way that you've never been touched before. Inside, in the place of secrecy, the place that you keep away from everyone. He knows that. Show it to him. And those dark areas, he can just blind with his light. He can do away with the things that have held you bound and he can release you into the place of true freedom. But you've got to do it. You've got to do it. I can't do it for you. No one else can do it for you. You've got to do it. But let me tell you, when you do, when you connect with God, things shift, things change. Things move out of the way. Things become new. You feel this sense of just rightness in your being. There's a solidity in you. There's a strength. There's an unshakability. You can't be moved. You can't be bought with stuff. You can't be threatened with fear and danger. You can't be shaken from the place of relationship with Him. Because he is enough. He is enough. Jesus, you're enough. Your grace is more than enough. Your presence is enough. Holy Spirit, would you you flood this place with the presence of heaven right now? For the doubters, for the inquirers, for the guilty, for the ones that are dull, for the ones, oh God, that, that are backslidden, for the ones, oh God, that are angry for the ones that are anxious. All of us in this place, wherever we're at in our personal lives, my God, would you just flood us with your presence? Would you release your anointing? Would you break those yokes of bondage? Would you love people back to life? Would you push back the darkness with your light? Would you drive out fear with your love? Would you release us back into the place of purpose with your presence? Two things I want to do. We're going to worship the Lord. Two things I want to do. First of all, if there's anyone watching online or anyone who's in this place and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've never ever made the decision, made the choice, acted upon the fact and the truth that there is no salvation outside of Yeshua, Jesus. You can't save yourself. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. It can only be received. If you've never known that the King, Jesus, has come to this earth and He's defeated all of His enemies, He's defeated the false gods, the idols, He's defeated every spirit of opposition and darkness, evil in the universe and that he wants you to get on his side he's offering to you right now that if you get on his side and you say Jesus be my Savior and be my Lord I want to follow you for the rest of my life then there's benefits of that you get forgiven of all your sin you get made new your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life eternity is your reward and the presence of God will be with you forever if you've never done that, then today is the day of salvation. I want you to pray out loud. Don't care who's around you. If you're in your house, if you're in a shop, if you're in a store, wherever you're doing, if you're here right now, say this. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, not your thoughts, your mouth, that Jesus Christ is Lord, and that you believe in your heart, that God rose him from the dead he's, he died but he didn't stay dead he's alive, he lives now he's never going to die again he is the Lord of all creation if you confess that and believe that then you shall be saved he will see you as his own he will see you as one of his he will take you to be with him you will never have to worry about that ever, ever again if that's you right now when you're to pray this say my God God of the universe, say it out loud, God of the universe. I believe that Jesus is Savior and Lord. And I want you to save me right now. I believe that you are alive and that everyone who is on your side will live forevermore. I want to be a new creation. In Christ Jesus. Jesus, save me. Forgive me. Love me. Fill me. And be with me for always. And help me to serve you. If you said that prayer, the journey begins. The journey begins. Welcome to the family. Tell someone. Let someone know. If you're in this place and you've done that, we want to see you over there at the the, 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 the coffee bar. We want you to tell someone. We've got stuff for you. We We want to see that. You get all the stuff that God wants you to have. But the next thing I want to do, Spirit of the Lord spoke to me. I believe that I need to tell you this. This is what I believe the Lord says. There are those in this place that are struggling, that are unsatisfied. Today, they need to get their own breakthrough. You need to get your own breakthrough got to take responsibility for that and say you know what God I don't want to live in this place anymore, I'm coming to you and in that response of faith is where the breakthrough comes, the blessing comes the the change and the shift begins contentment starts to just become a reality there's a sense of peace and rightness circumstances around you might stay the same but inside you're different And if that's any of you, if that's any of you, and you say, today I just want to come, I want you to do something really brave, really out of your comfort zone. And just come and stand at the front with us while we worship and pray. Because there is one place that does make a difference, and that is in the presence of God. Just come out and just worship. And just come and say, here I am, Lord. Would you change that in me? Would you shift that thing inside me? Would you let me know that you're with me? Would you let me know, God, that I can be with you? Come on, step outside of your seats and just come. We're just going to pray. We're just going to worship. Some of you have been struggling. Some of you have been holding back. Some of you you haven't been in that place of peace. And just come and just lift up your hands and just lift up your voices and just say here I am Lord as we worship and if you haven't come and if you you're still feeling stressed and strange and it's still a bit weird as we worship if God starts to touch you and he starts to move upon you just get out of your seat and respond in faith and just walk down and just come because I tell you what that that shifting and that changing that response you taking ownership over your situation and saying God here I am I'm doing it God I want you to meet me at the point of my faith and the point of my need and the Spirit of the Living God will be right there he will touch you where you're at your breakthrough is right here there is gonna be a change you'll leave this place different you'll be in a different space a different mindset a different zone a different reality So come on, let's lift up our hands and worship. Victory Outreach Manchester is a family in the city and we are here for you. Visit us every Sunday in person at the church building or live on Facebook and YouTube at 10am. Go to our website vomanchester.org.uk for more information.